Guerra a la misma canción, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Spanish for to return to the same song. That's the hmm. literal translation anyway. It is an idiomatic expression for to repeat the same old story because, well, we kind of had another snoozer of a race, <laughs> or as I like to call them, strategy races. Uh, I am Drew Scanlon, joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? So much... So much for strategy. That's a real bad call for the world of strategy. Uh, I'm feeling good because unlike Silverstone, we don't have to come back here. <laughs> uh, the strategy gamer is joining us. Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Uh, after careful consideration, I think we just need to go back to Austria for the remainder of the season. No, man. They need to fix turn three for MotoGP. We'll, oh we'll get to God. that. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. Yes. Um, if you are new to this podcast, welcome. And if you are new to Formula One itself, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode, uh, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge and gives the lowdown on how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you want to listen to that, it is episode 96. Uh, also, this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shiftfmonth. Uh, <clears throat> shift F1. Shift where, F month. <laughs> where, don't go to shift. Don't, F, don't give no, your money to shift F month. They are, they are scumbags. Uh, every month here, we release <laughs> bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons. I need to put some more returns in this script I'm reading, uh, covering, uh, <laughs> racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, primers for other series, uh, a lot of weird things. So if you'd like to get access to all of that stuff and just support the show, um, head over to patreon.com slash shift F1 or click the link in the show notes. Uh, what do we have going on this month, Danny? Yeah, Grand Prix went up last month, and uh, half of you are still watching that, apparently, and listening to it, so <laughs> we've decided so to not do any more patron material for the rest of the year until you finish your homework. <laughs> and no, uh, uh, Rob actually came up with a fantastic, I think it was Rob, it was one of you guys, it wasn't me, I anyway, uh, came up with a fantastic idea to, uh, since we basically did the longest uh, motorsport movie of all time, the Ben-Hur of movies, that we should do the shortest motorsport movie of all time next. And um, so I think that's what we're going to do. We're going to do uh, Rendezvous, the the short film of a, I don't know what type of car, some sort of sports car uh, going through the beautiful streets of, uh, of is it Paris in the 70s? It is, that is. It is. It is. And also, uh, to a degree, no car makes an appearance in that movie. Uh, right. The car itself is an illusion. Which uh, we'll there's a lot to, to talk about. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Intriguing. So, so, and it should be one that everyone else can, you know, unlike Grand Prix, where you will not be required to watch a two and a half hour movie <laughs> to participate in this and podcast. And is this on YouTube? Uh, I think on it's on the internet. Yeah, I Vimeo. saw it on Vimeo. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're also going to cover the Charles Leclerc oh, sort of like oh. remake one, uh-huh. which Ferrari did last year, which is really something. Uh, and else. The, I, I think it's the original director. Like they, you no, 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 no. He, he, he appears it's in not? it. I don't think he directs oh. that. Okay. okay. Is, he the, well, is he the beautiful woman in the dress at the end? Is he, the, is he, <laughs> spoilers, is he playing the part of the Prince of Monaco? <laughs> uh, I watched right, that. I'm looking forward it made to that me one. so angry. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's like, you know what it is? It's like, it's like, it's if a brand manager redirected a famous movie. <laughs> like, we need to get it's, all the influencers. Who's, who's the biggest influencer in Monaco? I know. Almost. The king. Just like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, so look forward to that, <laughs> but today we will be reviewing, of course, the, uh, race that just happened, the Spanish Grand Prix. Um, One star. Wow, we're just getting right into it, huh? Uh, 
Let's go down the grid. Just as a formality sure. here, Lewis Hamilton will start from the pole position right behind him. Valtteri Bottas and Max Verstappen trying to keep things interesting in third place. Sergio Perez is back in the car after testing positive for uh, COVID-19. Um, Lance Stroll, his teammate, starts fifth. And Alex Albon, the other Red Bull, is in sixth. Behind them, we have mm-hmm. both McLarens. Carlos Sainz in seventh. Lando Norris in eighth, uh, who is... Aside from Hamilton, Botas, and Verstappen, the only driver to qualify in the top 10 in every race in 2020. Right. Uh, then we have Mr. Monegasque himself, Charles Leclerc, in ninth. Pierre Gasly rounds out the top 10. Right behind him, Mr. 11th place for 2020, Sebastian Vettel. Uh, mm. With a new chassis for this race, hoping that that fixes some of the gremlins. Nope. Um, <laughs> again, spoilers. <laughs> it does not. Uh, Daniel Kvyat in 12th place followed by Daniel Ricardo in 13th. Then we got Kimi Raikkonen in 14th. He gets into Q2 um, for, uh, yeah. I don't know if it's the first time, but well well done in the Alfa Romeo. He qualifies ahead of the 15th place uh, Esteban Ocon and actually set his time, I think, on the medium tire to Ocon's soft. Uh, Esteban yeah, Ocon's Ocon in 15th. Ocon had a rough one. He binned it as well. In practice, he hit the wall behind Magnussen. Yeah, do you see that? Yeah, uh, wild. Yeah. Magnuson basically was just a bit slow on that. You know, at DRS straight, the like center one, the second one, he kind of just was going, he left him past to do a hot lap and then Magnuson, I guess, pulled out of it or something. So Ocon, I guess, wasn't maybe paying as much attention as he should have. And I had to lock up his brakes and ended up bidding the car into the wall. It was a bit of an embarrassing one. Uh, in 16th place, we have Kevin Magnuson, who escaped penalty, I think, from that um, incident yeah. because the stewards, you know, I think saw no no fault in his actions. It was just kind of an oops on everybody's part. Um, Roman Grosjean in 17th place. He was looking good in practice, but had to change a power unit. Mm. Um, and then we've got uh, George Russell uh, in 18th, followed by Nicholas Latifi and Antonio Giovinazzi uh, starting 20th. Um, did you guys happen to know, speaking of Roman Grosjean, uh, did you happen to notice a new sponsor on his overalls no is it is his book no no i i i looked into this and it's not i don't think it's a new sponsor but maybe it's just more prominent on his overalls because uh i noticed it and then i popped into the shift f1 patron discord and it was the main topic of discussion uh so i looked (laughs) into something called soccer coin oh no please no oh yes no is it exactly what it sounds like Yes, it is. Uh, Founded in Malta, so you know it's legit. It looks to be a tickets and payment system slash app powered by blockchain technology. Of course. Uh, They've got a really good brochure on their website um, that says, uh, Soccer Coin is a global digital currency for fans, clubs, sport associations, and sport venues. Uh, it offers a digital, user-friendly, and secure solution to carry out all transactions on your small f- smartphone via a, wa- uh, a wallet app. Um, Without via- one of those pesky paper trails. So, well, <laughs> check this out. Uh, via this app, you can conveniently purchase your ticket and enter the stadium immediately. You automatically agree to the company rules and the general terms and conditions. What stadium is this? What's <laughs> letting uh, people in? anyone who wants to partner with uh with soccer coin they're also making a physical card 
Um, the brochure says, in the Soccer Coin Hand Check app, you define all payment methods beforehand. Bonus cards can also be included in the uh, app as well. This gives companies the opportunity to inform fans about special offers via their smartphone, uh, of which they can take advantage of using the Soccer Coin Hand Check card. So it's, it looks like it's not a typical cryptocurrency that has mining. So I am led to believe that it's actually like a centrally controlled system led by a consortium of sport clubs. And this is just a ploy to more aggressively control the entire sport economy. Um, Oh, like in time to come, like, oh, by the way, we don't accept Ticketmaster anymore. Uh, Yes, exactly. Soccer club. So, so funny, yeah. So, uh, check this out. Soccer clubs have the great opportunity to provide all partners with a QR code personalized with their own club logo, which thereby enhance advertising effectiveness. Uh, by doing so, the club generates an additional income as it participates from each transaction. This sounds like uh, this sounds like it has a lot of money behind it and is a stupid idea, which is kind of. Like their old uh, snake oil sponsor, so it's nice to see the well, house Danny. is sort of keeping up the tradition. Oh no! Don't tell me this is owned by. <laughs> oh no! Um, they do have quite a spokesman in Roman Grosjean, and they have they include a lot of his quotes in the brochure. Um, oh no! But but to introduce why? him, also, the brochure. Why he's not? He doesn't play football. Well, I'll tell you. Um, the brochure states, "Quote: Rich energy Haas F1 team driver Roman Grosjean." No. No. Uh, <laughs> Grosjean's new what? partnership with digital currency firm SoccerCoin is the first of its kind in Formula One. Not only is the Frenchman the first F1 driver to endorse a digital currency, but the deal has been administered entirely using SoccerCoin's virtual currency. <laughs> He's getting paid in Soccer Coins, y'all. He's getting paid. He's getting paid in snake oil. Was he getting uh, paid in rich energy? Also, can you just roll that back a second? Did they refer to the name of the team as yeah, Roman Rich Grosjean Energy from, Haas? From Rich Energy Haas F1 team. Oh, it says, okay. Yeah, from Rich Energy Haas. So not mm-hmm. only is that obviously not the case anymore because Rich Energy doesn't sponsor them anymore, but I don't think at any stage was the name of the team Rich Energy Haas. <laughs> I think it was. Was it? I think it's just an, out, an outdated typo so it's it's weird like if you look in look at the f1 games for instance all the team names are like the official title sponsor for that season like ferrari in the official listing was like mission winnow scuderia ferrari like that was like an official Mm -hmm. team name okay which is corny as hell uh yeah but uh just to finish this out here you know anyone in the media or like outside of that (laughs) no it's a thing. No one calls it. Yeah. All right. right. Yeah. Colloquially, it, wow. it disappears. Um, yeah. The brochure ends here. The idea to introduce cutting edge finance technology to Formula One appealed to Roman, who worked as a banker in Geneva to support his early racing career. Quote, I enjoyed my wow. time in the bank and I've followed the markets and taken a keen interest in what's been going on ever since. I have followed digital currency for a long time and I am a big fan of it. For now, the focus is soccer, but I believe there are big opportunities in other sports and places where the product can be used more generally. Speed, safety, and innovation are the conditions to win. Soccer coin has all these features. There you go. I guess that makes sense. If you grow up in Switzerland, you either work in a casino or a bank, so... Yeah. Jeez. Ah, soccer coin, y'all. It's the future. Cool. I'm glad we have our new weird sponsor for the year. Let's see where this one goes. 
I think I we have I, a new main I like character. It. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like ben it Leighton better to be than introducing a new one. But... Uh, Rich Energy because the the logo is very small. Oh, I haven't seen it. I need to look. Uh, it up. Is the logo has the logo been stolen though? That's the most important thing. That's a that's a good question. Um, but it's I like Soccer Coin. Yes. It's difficult to Google Soccer Coin because Soccer Coin is all a coin is what you use to start a game, but whatever. Soccer-coin.com. It's always a good sign yeah. when your URL has a hyphen in it. Mm-hmm. This is the most 2016 company I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> this is so wild. Anyway, all right, it's not even loading. So there you go. That's a good sign. Uh, well, do you want to take us through the start here, Danny? Uh, sure. Let's talk about the race. Um, again, I feel bad for talking about Valtteri Bottas. It starts. It happens every time we have two um, Mercedes at the front of the grid. But I guess this time I feel a little bit vindicated because he did have a tough start. Uh, lights out. Uh, what was really interesting is um, the GP2 and uh, Formula 3 races again this weekend were absolutely absolute barn burners. You should check them out. Um, way better than the Formula 1 race that happened. <laughs> and by GP2, you mean Formula 2. Oh, sorry, Formula 2. Did I say GP2 and Formula 3? Wow, God. Old habits are hard. <laughs> um, yeah, they were they were absolutely fantastic. Uh, but I swear to God, every single race had a, had a, the lights went out in less than half a second. It was very strange. Consistently throughout the weekend. I'm not sure if the heat, whoever whoever was up there pressing the button just wanted to... <laughs> Let's get this going. Get yeah. Let's get out of here. I need, to, I need to get back in the shade. But they were all super fast. And so was this one. Super, super fast. And um, it caught out some people in the other races, but not really here. Uh, it's just the Botas had a little bit of trouble because he uh, was basically just like punching a massive hole in the air with Hamilton um, for everyone else. Decent run up to the end of the start finish straight for this turn. Um, and uh, he got a little bit caught. Uh, he got caught by Verstappen and then that sort of unsettled him a bit uh, on, on the inside and Stroll was on the outside and that unsettled him too so that Perez actually by the time he got past the, the second turn or was on the second turn, Perez was past him. Um, Botast almost immediately took that place back though by the time they sort of got around to that long right-hander. Um, he was back in front um, but uh, Hamilton was already away and Verstappen was off uh, catching him at that stage. Um and uh yeah away they went so not a great start for Valtteri and uh yeah I I guess not a super race if we keep talking about it uh all right well let's yeah I mean basically what this race is going to boil down to is like some discussion of pit stops and a a couple a couple incidents but like yeah Verstappen's trying to hang with with Hamilton staying at about one and a half seconds and even he says you know Hamilton's just he's just driving slow um, yeah. and eventually Hamilton turns it on around lap 16 and just checks out. Um, Albon, I think is the first of the front, uh, six or so to pit and he goes on a hard tires, which is, you know, maybe they're maybe splitting their strategy with Red Bull or just trying to see what the hard tires look like pace wise to maybe, are we going to put that on Verstappen too? Um, but then Verstappen pits four laps later, 1.9 second pit stop, yeah, nine, nine zero, fast. I think. Super fast, uh, and he also came out just ahead of uh, Stroll. So yeah, he rejoined. It was the third. type of pit where you're like, I think Hamilton after that had like a four-one, and it was the type of thing where if you'd swap those, um, he actually might have come out behind Stroll, um, and perhaps overtaken him pretty soon. But just a good example of the importance of that like crazy record-breaking Red Bull pit stop uh, can be. Yeah. Um- Hamilton pits right after that to kind of protect himself against the undercut. Um, they double stack them. 
They did, yeah. So Botas does too. And um, not but... exactly record-breaking stops uh, no. <laughs> to, no. to answer the Red Bull. And rather critically, right? Like it might be this – there's two questions, right? Like did the pit crew performance cost Botas uh, a, a decent finish or did the double stack – uh, screw yeah. things up like did did Hamilton's because Hamilton had like when they brought him in they didn't give it much cushion right like literally they went around for a lap and then was it the lap after they they called them in to answer the the Verstappen I think it was two laps two laps I have 22 and 24 here on my notes okay maybe maybe yeah. it was the same lap and I just called it wrong yeah yeah um, um but yeah uh Botas comes out Behind Verstappen, so it's Hamilton, Verstappen, Botas, which is how it was yeah. before. But like, there was really a an opportunity to. You're right to, yeah. Maybe and get it's, a it's worth there. mentioning at at this stage already they are yards ahead of the rest of the field. Like they are gobbling up back markers like hungry, hungry hippos. It's <laughs> you know it's le- not much of the race is actually gone at this stage. We're about a third of the way through, I think, uh, a little bit less maybe, and it's uh, it's already like just a massive difference in pace between them and the rest of the field. Yeah, and there's kind of um, we're getting some bunching up. So there's a train here um, that let's see, Albon the, on his hard tires train? has kind of run into. <laughs> yeah, the the, the, yeah. the mag train. Um, <laughs> lap 27, Ocon, Albon, and Signs all get past Magnussen in quick succession. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen tires drop off a cliff like that in forever. Yeah, it's kind of wild. Yeah. Um, Renaults went long on their tires uh they by lap 31 still had not pitted they're both on mediums though um albon got by i don't Ocon think i saw Dino, place. I, yeah i barely think i saw ricardo or Ocon for this whole race yeah they did not really factor in very yeah. much um and then uh lap 37 there's a ferrari sideways on the track and who who thought it was sebastian fettel yeah I, I yeah right away. <laughs> I, I, I was actually, like he did it again. Two raised yeah. hands. Yeah. I was uh I was laughing because I've been playing a lot. It's there's a heat wave happening right now in California, and the coolest room in my house is the garage, and that's also where when we closed the NoClip Studio, all of the stuff went because I have nowhere else to put it, including, including... my race wheel. Yes. Yeah. So I have I have now since hooked up a screen to it. And it's now my little, you know, race wheel garage. So, so I, because of the heat wave, I spent a lot of time in there doing laps of Spain. And I swear to God, I spun out on that thing, on that curve. <laughs> like, usually not there, usually after the next one, like about to hit the start finish right. But those sausages there are just like, and the, it's, it's, the, it's the downhill and the low speed. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a nightmare. I think I've talked about this thing every year when this race comes up, but... I'm not sure there's a circuit in the world I hate as much as this one because it is in every racing game, right? Because it is so prevalent in racing and it seems like they're also very generous with the usage rights with the, uh, with the track that like any racing game features this track. Uh, It's also very funny because you know it really well. And so you start to realize like, Oh, like not all games render tracks the same way, right? Like there's, there's meaningful differences that you start to pick up on, but there's something about this track uh, where it is full of just little things where like you have to do the million, you have to go, you go around the track, like, you know, 50 times and you get it just an inch wrong or just like you put down a little too much torque and there's so many places in this track that it will just, uh, it'll it'll just screw you. It's a, it's It's a funny, isn't it? I, yeah, like, I've it, never, and I've never been good at it. 
No, I, I like the first sector I like a lot. I think yeah. I've kind of gotten that one down. It's it's sector really hard three. on a controller. Sector three is a nightmare. Almost from the exact start of that arena section. That left-hander at the end of the second DRS straight is like spin central. The one that has the big <laughs> runoff area in it is because it's like uphill at a weird angle and you're always, try, you're always trying to uh, outbreak people into that corner. And then your, you know, your entry into the, the that turn is like really terrible. Then you light up the back tires and you're just gone. It happens all the time. Though I guess that wasn't Leclerc's problem. No, <laughs> his, his no, his engine just turned off. Yeah. So did um, you guys see the the wild part that follows this incident? Like the oh the seatbelt thing? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Talk us through it, Rob. Yeah. So. Um, the entire thing, you can see how this ends up happening because the entire thing is really weird because this is a weird incident. He, the, the engine doesn't let go. It just does die. It just turns off. And he's sitting there on the track side and he's... So it locks the back wheels, right? Is that how he basically, it like turns on the handbrake basically. Right. Functionally. Was it, um, was it related to the energy harvesting? I don't know. Actually. It, they said after the fact that it was an electrical issue on the power unit. But the effect yeah. of it was that it locked the rear axle and it just flipped his car around because his wheels stopped. Hmm. Um, so it wasn't clear he was going to be able to get it going. And he was in a place where he'd have to be towed because uh, cars moving through there pretty quickly. And then after like an uncomfortably long pause, they get the car going again. And he just drives. He just drives off. But he'd already unbuckled because he thought he was going to have to get out. And they were going to have to bring marshals out and, like, haul that car off the track. So Claire had prepared to basically dismount. And then the car fires up. And he's like, cool, let's see what kind of race we can still have here. And goes around. Did he go around twice with uh, the seatbelt? I think. God, I don't know. Because there's the recovery lap. And then. You're right, actually. Yeah. I think I watched. I watched the. There's a really good. Um. Uh, radio um, there's a couple of really good videos on the F1 YouTube channel the radio uh, one you know the one that has all the whatever they call them the back and forth yeah. best radio that, radio. that one's really yeah. good because it's basically just for stopping complaining for the whole race <laughs> um, but yeah I think they showed an extended clip of that as well and I think you're right I think you might have gone right a second time yeah I think, it, I think it's yeah, two, laps. two laps Okay. and the line was crazy he said something like oh I took my seatbelt off um, I'm fine, but they're probably not going to be very happy with me if I don't have my seatbelt on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm nobody like, yeah. will be happy with me driving without seatbelts. Like, so I, I was almost surprised they would they were even allowed him to... I wonder if the rule there is that you just have to pull over. Like, because that's so dangerous. That's so dangerous. Yeah. Can you imagine getting caught in an incident? Like... Yeah, oof. um... Especially, Race. especially, can we just also, the fact that his car turned off and the resulting problem was that his rear axle stopped. Can you imagine if he was doing that in the straight? Like, he was lucky it happened in the slowest part of the bloody track. Yeah. That's literally the slowest part of the track. Right, because that thing, it would have been like dropping an anchor off the back right. of the car and it could have been, it could have been gnarly. Could you imagine like your, that happening, the deceleration and the loss of control and you don't have your seatbelt on? <laughs> like... Like this right, whole yeah, week was he, a weekend of people almost dying. We'll get to the moto thing in a second. Like this, this could have been a lot worse. I'm surprised, you know, that he was he was driving around almost at race pace. I think. Oh well, I guess there was a problem with the engine too, right? He was he was basically yeah. saying that there is definitely something wrong too. 
he did uh, this from race fans. Uh, Leclerc told the team he needed a pit for a new attachment to secure him in the car properly. However, the team did not have one ready when he arrived. The decision yeah. was then taken to retire his car, which uh, Autosport says was because Ferrari wanted to investigate the electrical issue on his power unit, not necessarily because of the seatbelt thing. Yeah, um, it was a kind of a, did you see this? It was like a bad communication. He basically was trying to explain to his engineer. He, call, he called it something strange, like the, the attach is gone or something like that. And I don't think he explained to them that he needed a new one, but he thought he had. So when they got I back see. and they were trying to put his seatbelt back on, he was on the radio complaining, saying, I told you they can't put it back. I need a new, I think he said attach. He was like, okay. I told you this on the radio. Did you not listen to me? But I think they just got their wires crossed. Um, got it. I think the I think the buckle he maybe got rid of it. He got lost in the car. Or he threw it somewhere or something. I don't know. Weird. Yeah, very weird. Um. So he yeah he retires lap forty one I think. Um. Uh, around that time, Albon's hard tires are not working out. He has to pit. Uh, Gasly was chasing him down actually on on medium tires, but um. Alban Pitts puts on some mediums, rejoins in 11th place. Verstappen then pits again uh, from second, rejoins third. Uh, another really fast pit stop, 2.0. Wow. Um, medium tires to medium tires to to, to cover off Botas, um, who pits mm, seven laps later and then rejoins behind Verstappen. So it's still Hamilton, Verstappen, Botas. Um, Hamilton then pits after that retains first place because he's so far ahead uh mm. lap 43 though signs comes out of the pit ahead of albon and albon tries his best to pass um but can't do it uh i guess he's he's not on let's see no he's not on older tires uh some intense defending from signs though yeah around the outside of that long right-hander albon had a nightmare with the tires this race he couldn't get them so he was in traffic basically the entire race. He had a real... The team radio on the way back from the end of the race was pretty interesting. Um, he said he couldn't... I think I have the light here, actually. I think I might have taken it down. He said, I honestly don't know what to do to manage the tires better. I honestly can't do anything on entries and exits. Just snaps all the time. Which, hmm. actually, considering where he tried to overtake signs, and he was a little bit angry at signs, but I don't think signs did anything wrong. He was on the racing line. But considering where he was trying to overtake him around that outside, where Grosjean did his little pirouette a couple of years back, um, Albon was really going for it. Like, he, as, as difficult as his drives have been, he's not. Um, he's being quite brave. I kind of I feel for him in that respect as well because he's really sticking his neck out. I mean, how much of this is also driven by that decision to put him out on hards, though? That one yeah. didn't. That was a weird one because even the commentators were saying during the race that like Friday practice had left us in no suspense about how well the hards were wearing on the track, and it was not that much better than the mediums, and they mm. had considerably worse performance. So. It was kind of weird to throw him out there on the hards anyway, uh, which had a reputation as kind of a challenging tire that didn't really last much longer. So it's not like you're going to recover a meaningful delta from being able to skip a pit stop. Yeah. Uh, so that whole decision, like, you know, it, it, he said he was struggling in all tires. So clearly there's something up with the configuration of his car and the way he's driving, just not agreeing with the Pirellis. But also the hards just didn't make a lot of sense to me. That seemed like yet another one of those cases where like Red Bull makes kind of a weird decision with uh, Albon and it doesn't, 
it doesn't totally scan like what the thinking was there based on all the data that was gathered over the race weekend. Nor did it really work as a recon lap for uh, Max because they only left him out like a lap before they boxed Max, right? It was very quick. So it's not like they had a sample set of uh, data for, for how it was going to go once they, for, for Max's tire selection. So yeah, um, shitty day for uh, Albin, um, but it seems like everyone's patience with the, the, the weird characteristics of the Pirellis seems to be fast running out across the grid. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, we get some more pit stops around this time, um, late late lap forties. But some of them, like Perez in fourth and the three behind him, Norris, Kvyat, and Vettel, seem to be rolling the dice uh, and staying out longer. Maybe for the rain that's on the radar. Oh yeah, um, God, I forgot the rain was even a thing. And it's also our magic at this age. I think Perez is the only driver who hasn't been overtaken yet, <laughs> or maybe oh, he really? has. Huh. Yeah, at this at this stage. Well, there's blue flags coming for him soon enough. Yeah, um, Norris and Kvyat do eventually pit, but Vettel stays out on his soft tires, which he put on on lap 30, and it is a 66-lap race. Wild. Um, Perez has kind of done the reverse. He started on the softs and then went to mediums on lap 30, but still, that's a a big ask. Um, (laughs) A few laps later, Vettel's team calls to confirm oh that that's God. what he wants to do who it did you have some more team radio for us danny he had yeah so he was at one stage he was like he say he he asked them like what do you want me to do and then didn't hear back he was like oh we did something something and then and then eventually they come back yeah and they they basically uh, did they ask him if he wants to come in <laughs> they're like well they tell him to these? push for a few laps and then they ask oh, that, him. yeah and then they ask him yeah and he's and he's like i i what do you want me to do like i told you i I said this laps ago and you didn't like let me know and then they're like yeah but we're trying to you know just see and then he goes okay here's a task for you what do i have to do to stay ahead and he said like my favorite a 121.4 or something and they're like okay cool all right i'll do that (laughs) but it's just like it was kind of a, a case of like oh yeah like our favorite son has uh has has just come in from the pool and oh god we have a second child out there swimming on their own if fuck we forgot to forgot to check in are you okay out there um yeah the, the messy divorce between ferrari and and Vettel, it looks like uh they you know probably look excited for the season to end just it's weird it's very strange that whole situation is so strange yeah. Ferrari are weird. Um, Ferrari have always been weird. Can we just can we it, just say the that Ferrari is Ferrari yeah, the, the weirdest? Because he's a weird yeah. dude, right? And I think mean, we're starting to get a full dose of that. And so this is <laughs> very much one of those like, why don't you just tell me what you want to do? Just why yeah. ask? Why ask my opinion? You've already made up your mind. It's like it, it is like you're eavesdropping on a couple like mid divorce. It's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. They're um, like ever. They're like trying to keep up appearances because it's all on radio. We all can listen into. But whereas the other Max was going, did you hear Max all this radio? It was so strange. He was like he was being really catty with his engineers about the tire choice and yeah. so we should focus on our own race. Like we shouldn't. You know what do we care about what Hamilton's doing? So. Um, Here's here's my defense of that. I think Max is also a little bored. Like, but I I think more mm. to the point, there is a weird. We were all watching this race, and we all started to have that sinking feeling, right? That 
from the first laps, the way things shook out, like <laughs> yeah. this was kind of starting to feel like like a predetermined race. This was a real 2018. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, 2018. Yeah, 2018 gave us a lot of great moments. This was this was I would say more like uh, those, those old those old Vettel processions uh, with with Red Bull <laughs> in some ways. But it started to feel like the entire thing was just unfolding like to this like really deterministic logic. And we've we see these races now in such quick succession that we just know like when you see these dynamics, it's going to go a certain way. And Vettel keeps having people in his ear being like, you know, Max, here's what here's what I think we should do. Here's how we can here's how we can strategize our way around this. And I do kind of have some sympathy for the, you know what, man, let's just drive our race because all our strategizing isn't going to move the needle. And we know it's not going to move the needle. The only time it really delivered for us uh, meaningfully was when Valtteri's like uh, tire blew up. That wasn't something we could like strategize our way to accomplishing. So <laughs> let's just drive the best race we can. Uh, and he is he is temperamentally, and I think this might be a problem for him overall. There is a point where a driver just needs to be able to shut up and deliver exactly what is ordered. Like Hamilton, one of the things that he's always been like frighteningly good at doing is the team can tell him a number. And he will hit that number again and again and again. He can be temperamental too. All drivers can be, but like he can, he can also just like turn that off and just like deliver exactly to spec uh, what the team is asking for. Max seems like he really just wants to get out there and drive. Man, he's kind of a seat of the pants uh, driver, and I think the amount of like looking over your looking over the driver's shoulder that happens to execute race strategy really rubs him the wrong way if he doesn't see like a clear reason to do it and with the way things have been these last couple races there hasn't been a clear reason to do it hmm. well things got pretty clear for Sergio Perez um he ignored a blue flag and was handed a 5 second penalty uh, Kvyat also got one of these, Wild. and it is apparently, according to Autosport, uh, part of a a crackdown on blue flag penalties. Yeah, Paris did not move um, over. I'm about to go around him. Yeah. Um. By the way, Sergio Perez fourth, is in fourth, by the fourth way. Yeah. place. <laughs> <laughs> so sad. And it shouldn't matter because there's, there's such a big gap. There's like 50 seconds between him and third. But unfortunately for him, there is a closing gap between him and fifth later in the race. That seemed yeah, way too so harsh to anyone. No. Well, so I think that's why. Wow. Okay. I guess we know who the, the top is. I th- well, I I thought it was a case where like I I can get it if like he missed some of the flags, although his dash flashes blue too. But he was on the straight, which even Otmar and, said like, and he didn't move out of the way. Like he literally held a racing line, and like that's you're not. I mean, that's the them them's the rules. Like, yeah, Michael Massey says in this Autosport article, it was something that we discussed at the driver's briefing following the first Austria event, actually. The regulations say oh. along the lines, you should effectively allow the other car to pass at the first available opportunity. There's a level of discretion within it to allow reasonable elements with the other cars, but those two uh, events, he's referring to uh, uh, Perez and Kvyat's, uh, were clearly excessive, and ref- we referred those to the stewards uh, accordingly. I actually had a number of team managers ring and say they were really glad to see people penalized for not obeying blue flags. 
that's a real like oh i'm having fun with my friends they're out of frame sort of thing you know what i think one of the things uh for me if if memory serves i think it's the opposite in endurance racing because you have the different classes coming on and so there i think the convention is hold the line and you see the blue the blue flag because we don't want gt cars lurching into the path of prototype cars um trying to be helpful right so there yeah a uh, uh a a coltard schumacher situation yeah um and so that can just be dismal too so i am more used to watching series where it's just kind of expected that like look the faster car if he's that much faster than you will find a place to pass your main objective is to hold the line and not deviate just become Mm. a predictable like slot car on the line while the guy in the faster car goes around um which i think might make a little more sense i don't know uh whatever the rule is that they've settled on is what they should stick to but five seconds man that was such a mm. he's having a good race but yeah if they had literally Um, just talked about that and he was like nah So, lap 57, Stroll gets by Vettel uh, for fifth place, who was behind Perez. Um, so, Stroll's now seven seconds to Perez in closing. He finishes on track behind Perez, but the penalty puts Stroll into fourth and Perez mm. into fifth. Uh, lap 60, Sainz gets by Vettel again for sixth place, um, and that's still six laps to go. Can Vettel hang on to points? Dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. Pulling up the race result. Yes, he can. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton wins the Spanish Grand Prix. Max Verstappen in second. Valtteri Bottas in third. Lance Stroll again in fourth with that penalty. Sergio Perez in fifth. Signs in sixth. Vettel in seventh. Um, up from 11th place on the grid. Alex Albon finishes uh, down two spots in eighth. Uh, Pierre Gasly in ninth. And Lando Norris rounding out the points-paying positions. Danny Rick uh, in 11th place. Followed by Daniel Kvyat, uh, Esteban Ocon in 13th, and Kimi Raikkonen, Kevin Magnussen, Antonio Giovinazzi in 16th. And we've got George Russell, Nicholas Latifi, and Roman Grosjean, uh, and then Charles Leclerc, who was not classified after his DNF. Grosjean lucky to finish in the end. He had a spin a Rooney on on the just before the second DRS straight, almost went off, but That's held right. it well. He also um, pissed the, off uh, Kimi Raikkonen because he did a double sure move did. on the straight. And I think I have that. I think I have that line here actually. Um, close. Put your hands over your children's ears for two seconds. Kimi, uh, in relation to Grosjean, says, "Look what the fuck that idiot did." There you go. <laughs> uh, I should point out that Formula One dot com's official uh, records of the finish say in a little asterisk down at the bottom. The finish. This classification. Kimi? This classification right. is subject to appeals lodged with the International Court of Appeal relating to racing points use of brake ducts. So that's oh. still ongoing. Just wow. To yeah. Remind oh. everyone. Um, McLaren. Perez's day could get even worse. <laughs> right. Uh, McLaren and Williams, I think, both rescinded their appeals, but um, Renault, of course, and Ferrari are still going full stream ahead. Mm. Um, which I love this. Matteo Bonato said, yes, we're still going forward with our appeal in the interest of transparency. Mm, of course, yeah, yeah. That's something they know about. Yes, o- yes, indeed. Uh, Hamilton now has the most podiums of all time. 
Another record is broken as well. Kimi Raikkonen has the most mm-hmm. distance traveled of any Formula One driver ever. Yeah, and I think it's enough to like go around the world twice or something. Oh, <laughs> you, think he's, you think he's going to race around the world? <laughs> no, damn it. We have to do news first. Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, also, Vettel is only the second driver to Lewis Hamilton to be in the 3,000-point club. Wow. Yeah. It's like the Mile High Club. 3,000? Yeah, 3,000 meters. This is truly a golden age for meaningless records uh, being shattered (laughs) or joined. I'm sorry, like, I guess we're going to get to the other thing about, like, just dumb, like, things that don't translate at all, but, like... Man, like nobody's ever had this many points. The season is so long in yeah, Modern F1. It's, it's like ridiculous. It's yeah. like only a few drivers have achieved this. And it's like, yes, and they're all the dudes who've been running in the last like 15 years. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like if we change it all to like pinball scoring, first driver to 3 billion points. Uh, let's take it to the news, shall we? Let's do it. Uh, So this is some news that broke, I think, just before the Spanish Grand Prix and is set to take effect uh, ahead of Spa, the next Grand Prix. No more party modes. Mm. Party mode is over. Um, And not just party mode, right? So party mode being the engine mode that they tend to use specifically for qualifying. Um, That's right. But this is going to cover more than just that, right? Yeah, so we'll know more specifics ahead of Spa. I don't think they've. Uh, I don't think this has been officially ratified yet, uh, mm. and certainly no technical documents have been sent out to teams. But basically, they're saying, yeah, no more qualifying only modes, um, because they want to say you have you must use the same mode in qualifying and the race, which basically means you get one mode. Yeah. So there's no longer like during the race you had other modes like overtake mode that would just turn your engine up. Um, to be able to pass another car that you would then turn it back down so your engine doesn't explode. Um, but yeah, this apparently means that you you get one mode. Um, what do you, you think? Feel, this is like them going through Capone's taxes at this point is is how this <laughs> is beginning to feel. Like I, I, like I am certain, I do believe their logic that it is becoming really hard to police the rules conformity when you have these already really sophisticated engines and the electronics to support them i understand it is probably like a regulatory nightmare but at the same time it totally feels like man like these races would be way more interesting if mercedes race pace was a little closer (laughs) to like if the quality pace was close to what we were seeing on race day because they've always like for years have had the ability that ability to turn up the wick on saturday and like qualify really well and then you might see something pretty substantially different during the race and it just kind of feels like yeah people are just looking for ways to sort of within these technical regulations that we're stuck with now through next season is there something we can do to maybe uh nerf mercedes just just a little bit yeah like was it hamilton who said they're clipping our wings was that in relation to this yeah he said they're trying to but it's not gonna it's not gonna work right um he doesn't think so and i'm inclined to agree uh but i don't know on the other uh, on the other hand like if the party mode started going away and you stopped seeing uh some of those mighty qualifying laps where the mercedes are reliably just burying people in a way they they don't (laughs) often do in the race 
Um, yeah, it could it could make for more interesting races, but it it just does feel like the the hunt is on for Mercedes. Mm. And it seems like all Mercedes engines have this technology. Um, like George Russell was saying, like eh, it's a bummer because we could we could use that or we we have been using that and it's helpful. Um, yeah, racing points have been qualifying well. Yeah, and I, I, I haven't been able to discern whether Renault and Honda engines can do this, but I know that Ferrari doesn't. Uh, Leclerc and um, I think it was maybe Gunther Steiner were saying like, yeah, we don't have this, so cool, thumbs up. Right. Um, Horner also pointed out that there is, yeah, this quote here from Autosport, there is inevitably enormous cost that's associated with developing these different modes. So that may be... a, a, a a good thing too, I guess, to bring again some some costs down. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, I I I don't really expect it to have that much of a difference. But we'll see. Um, next on the docket here, the Concord Agreement. Maybe you've heard uh, this phrase before. This is like the the governance document that Formula One uses that decides on revenue distribution and how uh, rules are made. There's a new one due to be signed this month uh, that will last, will be in effect until 2025. Um, and it, uh, yeah, it decides on the governance of the sport, revenue distribution. But really, it's kind of like, are you in or out? Um, do you want to be in Formula One until 2025? And there was a lot of hemming and hawing over the past few weeks. Um, but it looks like teams are finally starting to sign it uh, today, actually, the day of recording, August 18th is the final day for the early sign-up, which I think gives you a cash bonus if you're a team that signs it early. Uh, early decision. Deadline. Yeah. Get your Concord Agreement brochure in the mail. <laughs> pictures <laughs> pictures of weirdly diverse F1 teams like celebrating <laughs> around the tracks in the world. Be like, you know, if you just commit to the Concord Agreement uh, immediately without negotiating for anything more, um, you know, your, your odds of being accepted are higher. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's tough to tell what exactly is in the agreement and, uh, how it all breaks down. Cause those discussions are private, but McLaren is the first one to sign and it looks like Ferrari is going to sign as well. Um, so yeah, if, if, uh, any more details come out about this, uh, I'd be interested to, uh, to know what they are. We will relay them, but, um, it looks like, it looks like everybody's on board. Toto was the big holdout, but I think mm. Mercedes is uh, has had their I don't know their palms greased or whatever needed to happen. So, um, so speaking of upcoming landmarks, Rob Zachney, what's next here? Well, uh, Formula One is headed back to Istanbul uh, for a Turkish Grand Prix. Uh, they've added the Turkish race uh, to the calendar for November 15th, uh, so it will now follow Imola, uh, and I think it's going to be the one that it's going to set up the season-concluding triple header uh, where they do back-to-back Bahrain races and then mm. uh, the Os Marina uh, race. I'm, I'm glad that Bahrain's uh, getting a two for I, I think that throws up some good some good races. Istanbul's cool. 
Uh, it's a good track. I think it was one of the losing that one from the calendar was a bummer yeah. because it was probably one of the more entertaining uh, venues that Tilka designed. It has that really great sweeping multi apex left hander hmm. that's probably the circuit's um, most identifying feature and might have been a little bit copied at uh, Coda. I'm not sure. Uh, but it's it's a it's a neat venue. Uh, I can't remember how good the racing was, right? Like my memories of it now are mostly I enjoyed driving it a lot in the F1 games, but I don't know how competitive it was. Um, I think it was it, they were racing there in an era where there wasn't a lot of great competition. So hey, we might just see more. <laughs> we might see a very familiar dynamic at this race. Um, <laughs> but it, it'll be cool to see it back. Yeah, I'm with cool. Rob. It's a, it's a fun track. It's it's this and Malaysia would be the ones I'd like to come back. So oh, I'm, Malaysia! I'm be glad good. to see it. Yeah, this kind of reminds me of Malaysia a little bit. A lot of those sweepy corners up in the hills. Just go back to Malaysia, and don't even worry about the racing surface. Like I am, just just run the circuit as it has been after like years of rain and like baking sun, and just let's see what it's like. Does anything uh, run in Malaysia? Don't even clean days? it. Uh, I don't think I've seen that track. I think yeah, MotoGP I might. might. Okay. Because Patronus is the sponsor of a MotoGP oh, yeah, yeah. team as well. Because I remember uh, the last time MotoGP. F1 raced there, they were starting to complain about um, the track surface was getting pretty worn and abraded. Mm. Um and God, I used to love it. It's monsoons yeah. coming out of nowhere. Remember, it's oh, just like that was the best part. Was yeah. uh, like I feel I feel like I remember multiple qualifying <laughs> sessions where the deck was completely reshuffled because literally mid qualifying, like, well, uh, we didn't it's get our race. We didn't minutes. get our yeah. <laughs> A monsoon arrived mid quali, so we're screwed. <laughs> yeah, speaking of MotoGP, Danny. Oh boy, what happened this weekend? Yeah, I I feel bad that they're I you know Moto I've been watching a lot of MotoGP, especially during the um. The, this season the is so good. Yeah, it is. It's it's very interesting. Um, uh, especially almost as uh, the leader <laughs> of the pack is has been out for a couple of races. Obviously, Marco has hurt himself. Um, so we've had a, a good bit of fun with um, uh, Dobby having some nice uh, some wins up there and and uh, yeah, good good battling all over the place, good racing. Um. Yeah, there was a really horrific crash. Nobody is... Everyone... I won't say everyone walked away from it because that's not true, but um, everyone seems to be okay, thankfully. But I have never seen a crash where... I think me and Rob were talking on Discord about it yesterday where you could have easily seen a situation where four people might have died or seriously hurt themselves. Um essentially what happened was so this is at the a1 ring so austria sorry red bull ring where we were only weeks ago so you're all very familiar with that uh turn three it's at the big long straight uphill has a little bit of a sort of a kink in it to the left slightly uphill hard braking zone into a right hander um essentially on the run-up to that um uh, franco uh, Mord- uh morbidelli and uh, johan zarco got in a little bit of a mismatch for angles um, in a breaking, right before the breaking zone and collected each other, which was not an ideal part of the track for that to happen anyway. It was kind of a bit of a freak situation. At like 200 miles per hour. 
Yeah, it's the fastest part of the circuit. And what's worrying is that it's the fastest part of the circuit into one of the slower parts of the circuit, which is this tight right-hander at the top of the hill. Um, even worse is that they were kind of close enough. They were right at the braking zone, so right where they were going to... So basically at a risk of them continuing into the racing line, which was the big worry with uh, what happened with Simoncelli tragically years ago, um, and also their bikes as well. Um, I think it was Zarco's bike stayed upright, increased speed. I think it was 300 kilometers an hour by the time it hit the air fence. Um, uh, and basically what happened was Morbidelli's bike, both bikes continued on the path towards where the track turns to the right. And in between, it was Rossi and... It was Vinales ahead of Rossi. It was Vinales ahead of... Yeah, so... Um, Maverick Vinales, who's ahead of Rossi, uh, essentially Morbidelli's bike flies between the two of them, like, you know, 2000s action movie slow-mo somehow does not hit any of them. Um, Rossi said that he never saw the bike. He said he saw the shadow and felt something. He said he saw the shadow and thought it was the helicopter. Um, And then he felt the the force of it, like the wind of it blowing past him. Right and then right in front of his face, so he never saw it coming. Um, the other bike hit an air fence, which thankfully took it out of the direction uh, of uh, uh, Maverick Vinales. Um, so that also but like didn't hit barely. Anyone. I think it kind of cartwheeled over him. Yeah, it, it's. I've never seen anything like it's. It's shocking to see them both continue. Rossi immediately turned around and was like, "Holy shit!" There was a safety car pull. He came into the the pits and was like. You could see, like, just the shock on his face when he got back in, um, when he took off his lid as well. Uh, also worth mentioning, I think it was Zarco who ended up on the track. Um, he actually rolled the whole way up that hill through the gravel and actually breached back onto the, onto the circuit. Um, but thankfully, he was okay and didn't get collected by anyone. Um, and also, the air fence that that bike hit, there were uh, marshals standing like seven feet from where that bike hit and they were also not injured and were waving yellows almost immediately so the fact that nobody was like seriously hurt in this is a fucking miracle it's absolutely insane rossi could easily hit like if that if that bike was an inch faster slower or faster it was going to hit one of them and it would it was it was at head height at you know 250 kilometers an hour or something um absolutely crazy it's one of the craziest crashes i've ever seen it's a little bit weird the motor gp put up a here's the crash from all the angles video on their youtube channel um, yeah and it's it's titled like seo yeah uh, it's seo friendly what is the title here terrifying moto gp tm crash <laughs> jesus tm from I every angle yeah my advice to so Motorsports are weird about videos anyway. It, they tend to be like FAA has just started to get like a lot more friendly with social video, but mm. in, in general, everyone's been in kind of weird and proprietary about it. Uh, baseball's similar. But, you know, this is one of those cases where I know it's going to be a lot of people searching for like fucked up MotoGP accident, worst right. MotoGP accidents ever. People are going to be looking for that stuff. Yeah, yeah my brother like, texted nature. me about MotoGP for the first time maybe ever. Yeah, <laughs> two days ago, because he was like, "Do you see this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, no, it's fucked up." But I think if you're on a like uh, racing league social media team, sometimes you just gotta let it go. Sometimes you don't cut that and be like, "Hey, like check out this 
this video, it might be good to just let enthusiasts, uh, you know, harvest harvest the SEO for that, I guess. Because it is, it is a little weird when you're rushing out there uh, on Twitter and being like, whoa, check this out. This is pretty crazy, huh? And it's like, yes, it is. Um, mm. But also, like... It's- it's kind of like uh, being the sport and saying who the best drivers are. Oh my god! No. Yeah, do you want to take it's, that it's one? It's impartial. Uh, no, I'm not really. But <laughs> F1 partnered with Amazon Web Services to uh, <laughs> algorithmically decide who is the fastest driver uh, v- versus their teammate. There's a lot of asterisks here, but uh, I agree with um, something that. Uh, uh, Stuart Chainbear Taylor said in one of his videos, which is Formula One should not be the arbiter of this. They sh- they need to be impartial here. Uh, yeah, it's, it's and I stupid, completely yeah. agree with that. It's it's I think it's a bad look. This just looks like some they had the deal with Amazon over this AWS nonsense. Every sport is basically trying to make AWS look like it actually like amazon web services does stuff they did all this stuff does stuff whenever it's surfaced in these sports it's always in a in a really like th- th- no that's not what this is doing the thinkotron 9000 to- considered 100%. all the it's yeah. so stupid yeah. machine football, learning like figured Collins this out Worth like runs yeah. pro football uh focus or whatever and like generally has some really well-regarded like uh cutting edge of the sports statisticians working for it right um but then they cut these embarrassing AWS ads, and it's like, man, without AWS to sort these by column and ad, you know what I mean? Because that's yeah. what the stuff means. Well, it, always, is like, it always shows like, oh, here's the video, and like AWS is like tracking the trajectory of the ball. You're like, what? Like this? Yeah. This isn't what you need to do to try and market this to somebody who doesn't know that this is a non-visual. Like what it doesn't. It doesn't solve for problems that way. Yeah. What so. is this? Yarno so Trolley are. number nine. Yeah, ninth fastest it? driver ever. Oh, oh Heike Kovalainen. Okay. Uh, so it's... Santa, Santa's the fastest driver of all time. There you go. It uses machine learning to compare drivers' qualifying performances over time versus their teammates. Which is, again, So how, how good are they the cars aren't at the, same. the car? At the car they have, which they On are the, saying yeah. is a baseline, which it's not. And how much so, did you have to tweak this algorithm to make it put Ayrton Senna oh, on yeah. top? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Because otherwise I, it's a weird fucking I, list, right? And, like, they, did you just did ignore a, yeah. Michael Schumacher when he came back and he was terrible? Like, did... They did it, they did some, it once and, out for, and I accidentally put um, uh, Take Inoue up front and they had to uh, <laughs> fuck with the numbers a little bit. This, this uh, just looks like a marketing person. A few had to be followed person. to create meaningful data. Teammates had to have completed at least five qualifying sessions against one another before they were compared. Mm-hmm. Age was also factored in. While if a driver was coming back to the sport after three or more seasons out of S1, F1, that was also considered. That's what does Schumacher. that mean? That's Schumacher, right? Was what he... does considered mean? Did he retire and come back for that long? Yeah. Yeah. It's a few years. I, yeah, I don't know. It it this just yeah, it it's looks like the type of thing where they have this deal, somebody in marketing or brand whatever had to come up with something, they did this and then reluctantly F1 put it out or something, you know, or, or some I bet I bet a lot of people within F1 were like this is fucking stupid, but whatever. They're paying us a lot of money. 
Well, I'm looking at a list of uh, names here with n- cold, hard numbers next to them. Driver points. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton is in the lead of the Drivers' Championship with 132. Max Verstappen is in second with 95. Valtteri Bottas has 89. Charles Leclerc is in fourth with 45. Stroll and Albon are tied in uh, fifth place with 40 points. Lando Norris right behind with 39. Sergio Perez has 32 in eighth place. Carlos Sainz with 23. Daniel Ricciardo is in tenth with 20. Then we have a tie with Sebastian Vettel and Esteban Ocon with 16 Yikes. points. Pierre Gasly is in 13th with 14. And we've got Nico Hulkenberg with six points. Antonio Giovinazzi has two. Danny Kvyat has two points. Uh, they're tied for 15th. And we've got Kevin Magnuson with one. And then Kimi Raikkonen, Nicholas Latifi, George Russell, and Roman Grosjean are pointless. Uh, the constructor standings here, Mercedes in the lead with 221 points. Red Bull's in second with 135. Racing Point is in third, separated by McLaren by one point. They've got 63. McLaren has 62. And Ferrari has 61. They're in fifth place. Uh, Renault with 36. Alpha Tauri with 16. Alfa Romeo has two points. Gene Haas and team have one. And Williams has zero. In our fantasy league, uh, which you can join with a link in the show notes, uh, fifth place is two seconds, Ted, uh, from W Hills in America. Putt-Putt Racing with R. Anderson Alderson <laughs> from uh, uh, the U.S., it protects my head by M. Oh boy, Raystrom from Finland. Planes Weekly. That sounds nice. Uh, in second place with F. Mm, Malhede. I'm, next time I'm just going to say the country. That's from Canada. Sam <laughs> Team Two. S. Harnden uh, from the UK is in the first spot. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. That's they're tied. Sam Ooh. Team Two and Planes Weekly tied. Uh, in first and second spot. Uh, if you'd like to email us, you can do so at shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. You can also hit us up on Twitter at shiftf1podcast. I'm at Drew Scanlon. That's at Daniel Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. That's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world? Dan? That's where it's around the world. Yeah. Uh, Juju Noda and team are back for the Danish F4 championship. Uh, don't know where you can watch that, but uh, all, the, all, all the luck to Juju. Um, <laughs> we've got Gander Mountain Trucks there at the Dover International Speedway um, for Delaware? the, what is this? Uh, yeah, Dover, Dover, Delaware. Um, 100 laps, 200 miles for the KDI Office Technology 200. Um, we've got the Xfinity series. Uh, That's gotta same be place, rough. Office technology. Two hundred laps. Um, wait, what? The last one was one hundred laps offices. and two hundred miles. This is two hundred laps and two hundred miles. Whatever. Look, we this learned is... last week none of this matters. Remember? You're right. Remember it was uh, the last week that we're yeah. It's just don't worry about it. Dry Dean two hundred. I prefer wet Dean. Well, then uh, this race is not going to uh, do any favors for you because we got uh, the Dryden 311. Oh, my. 311. I love... They're my favorite band. (laughs) I love to get dry with my friend Dean and listen to 311. Uh, Boy, there's a whole lot, actually, here that I missed. Uh, DTM is at Zalauzit's ring. Uh, The IMSA WeatherTech Championship is at VIR, their Virginia International Raceway. I prefer Um, IFR. Is that... (laughs) No, VAR. What's VAR again? VAR is... V- v- VFR is visual flight rules. V- sorry, you're right. What's what's VAR? 
VAR is something else. VAR? I don't know what that is. Yeah. VAR. Isn't there... There's, v- there's the VORs, the... which are the uh, navigation. What was what was the wheel thing Mercedes had called again? DAS? DAS? DAS, DAS. What is VAR? Okay, sorry. Go ahead. I have to figure out what VAR is. <laughs> a MotoGP is back in the Red Bull ring uh, for a back-to-back race. Uh, MXGP? Is, that the, is it really the Kimi ring? K-Y-M-I... But it's in Finland Whoa. for the MXGB of Finland. Uh, the World Rally Cross Championship is in Sweden for their first uh, round. Super GT is at the Suzuka Circuit. Um, in Uocho, uh, Suzuoka, Mie Prefecture, Japan. Dude, Ghost of Tsushima has so many prefectures in it. It's like <laughs> definitely my prefecture. Oh, you gotta be happy as a pig and shit. Oh, it's so good, dude. Every time I, I'm just running around from prefecture to prefecture. Does it bring uh, up a little like title card each time yeah, you change prefectures? Yeah, it does. Like, Absolutely, it does. Do yeah. I take a screenshot? Yes. <laughs> Have I printed those out and put them on my bedroom wall? Yes. This is like I've... me with control, where like every time it brings up the <laughs> the title card for the location you're at and does that little like. Uh, like drum hit I'm like yeah. I want to do that every time I walk into the room that's the problem uh, for all the Europeans who are screaming at their podcast VAR is video assisted referee it's what they yes, use in that's... Premier League games and all that stuff there, yeah so that's what it it's was. like a task it's like a tool it's like a, the, the review it's the video review kind of thing where they, they go to the person in instant the box. replay yeah it's what they are were doing in American sports review where someone's just diving Oh, they, I think, I think they can overturn penalties, but they can't penalize people using VAR for that is what I believe. So they can overturn a penalty decision if there's a dive, but they won't like then book the player. I don't think, I think, I don't know. I forget. One of my favorite animated gifts is, uh, someone has spliced soccer dives with, I think, um, uh, shots of the saving private Ryan sniper. (laughs) (laughs) so good it's like oh, speed he's like doing his like his like corinthians whatever right uh, every time he's shoot, he's doing, yeah it's oh, his man. prayer so good yeah <laughs> uh and then one last <laughs> race here the 104th indianapolis 500 wow the indianapolis Motor speedway in speedway indiana usa is happening this weekend gregory mammon uh um at indycar greg on twitter let us know um he says, uh, hey, Shift F1 podcast with the Indianapolis 500 Sunday. I thought I'd let you know how F1 guys will start. Sato will start third. Rossi, wow. that's uh, Alexander Rossi, not Valentino. He starts ninth. Erickson starts 11th. Rosenquist, 14th. And then Team McLaren Drivers Award starts 15th. Eskew, 21st. Alonzo, 26th. And Chilton, 30th. Also, the son of Michael Andretti, Marco is on pole. Awesome. We gotta That's get cool. Lando over there. I know. We yeah. gotta do it. You'll get taken out though. That's the problem. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, they kill him. I'll be careful. It's wild. There's a there's a Schumacher in uh, Formula Two, of course, Mick Schumacher. Um, but there's also a Schumacher in Formula Three, who is Ralph Schumacher's son. Uh, David. Now I can't remember. I think it's David. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So it's mad. We're gonna have our cup is gonna flow flow with over with Schumacher's again in the next few years. It looks like. Nick's doing well. He's kind of constantly placing in like top five, top six. Uh, also, I didn't read this article, but uh, I like the headline. New hydrogen-powered racing series, High Rays League. 
to launch in 2023. Zeppelins. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> For hours. It's just, yeah, there's just one lap. But it's uh, of the continental United States. <laughs> <laughs> Who thinks this is going to happen? What is the hydrogen racing series? Seriously, what is it? What are they racing? Cars. Is it fuel cell? Yeah. Uh, they look okay. like... they the, the cars look like... Um, like a, a car you would find in Rush 2049. Beautiful. Uh, which is great. So... I'm in. I'll link that article. I so feel like fuel look. cells were decided they weren't practical for some reason. I can't remember what the reasons were. Like, they were just... Uh, hydrogen is able to be broken away from water uh, through electrolysis, through redox reactions in the fuel cell, uh, ensures that water and energy are the only byproducts uh, that will ensure the cars racing in the series will be able to compete over a race distance without having to save energy, a limitation of battery-powered categories such as Formula E. Sick burn. Two hydrogen fuel cells to power four electric motors. 800 brake horsepower. There you go. All right. Well, just like uh, Robo Race, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, all right. Uh, anything else, Danny? No, sir. No we- no race this week for the first time in a little while. So enjoy it. And then we're we'll right. back for good old spa. Yeah, we'll have a proper pre-race show. Uh, anything else from you, Rob? Just looking forward to my spa day. <laughs> so am I. Uh, if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes, you can do so at patreon.com slash shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow. Awesome. Thanks, guys.